0: Welcome to Gardening Talk back on 2NURFM. McGregor Richard here with Scotch Up once again. Scott, it's a beautiful day outside. It is a beautiful day, but like you said, it's a little bit chilly out there. That wind's got a little bit of a chill factor on it. it a little bit nipply, it was. It was very cold on the weekend. Yes, it was. That
1: sad day, well, that did some damage to the plants. I had things coming down, crashing around me. It was, yeah, a little bit of frost on them. Yes, and that wind also dries the plants out, so make sure, you, uh, if you haven't, give everything a very good water. Right. What have you got for us today, Scott? Well, we talk about uh, planting herbs in pots. Uh, Hippiastrums are out at the moment. They're a bulb that looks lovely in flowers. Yep.
0: And uh, the flannel flower. I know we touched on it last week, but I don't think we quite got there. No, the flannel flower. Yes. And I'm also wearing flannel today as well. You are, aren't in- you? Into the spirit. <laughs> and we've got Esme from Corlette, and she's got a question about a bird's nest ferns. Good. Yes. Afternoon, Esme. How can we help you?
2: Um, Well, what I've noticed is underneath the bird's nest fern, which is up on a tree, um, underneath it there's sort of what looks like um, something that's in there and they chop up parts of the fern and sort of, it's up there now and I'm just looking at it, it looks like little tiny squares that they've sort of joined together and it looks a bit like a borer.
1: Yeah, so bird's nest ferns can get a, a borer in them. Uh, you know, stag horns and elk horns also get them as well. Um, bird's nest ferns actually are native to Australia, um, all the way down the east coast, uh, and it's a very...
2: actually I should
1: say um, instead of bird's nest, I got that on my mind. It's a stag horn. <laughs> oh, it is a stag horn. Okay, okay, yeah. looks same, different, but um, you know, same, same, but different. We'll, we'll still keep talking about it. <laughs> Yeah, so stag-, stag horns and elk horns, they do get uh, borers in them. Now, the only trouble with treating them is they can be a little bit sensitive, so you have to be careful about, uh, you know, what chemicals you're going to use. Yeah, I don't
2: like to use chemicals if I can get
1: away with it. Yeah, look, you, you might have to use something in this case to to get rid of those borers. You're not going to be spraying it around, though. What you're going to be doing is mixing it up in the watering can at a half strength. Mm. And then drenching that down through the plant. So it won't be, you know, you won't be spreading it around, but you just want to give the plant a really good drench. So it gets down deep inside the folds of the plant uh, where those borers are. Uh, so that, that's about really the only thing you can do for it. Uh, I'd use uh, probably Malathon, uh, it's a, a chemical. If, or if you're not too keen on using chemicals, you can also get a pyrethrum spray. And, oh, I've got that. Yeah, we'll use that one. You can actually use that at full strength if you wanted to.
3: All oh, right.
1: Yeah, so I'd give that a go, but it's the watering can, drench it down through there, probably wait a week and then go and, and give it another crack.
2: Oh, good. Oh, thank you very much for that.
1: That's all right. What do you feed yours with, Esma?
2: I don't do anything because it's underneath um, a tree, mm-hmm. so all the leaves that fall off, it just falls in there. And so it's quite, it seems quite happy otherwise.
1: Okay, yeah. Look, I've also heard tales of people throwing their old banana skins in there.
2: No, well, I yeah. did do that, and what happened was um, all those little fruit fly um, insects.
1: Oh yeah, little um, midgy things, yeah.
2: Gathered there, so I thought I don't think that's a good thing for the plant.
1: No, probably not. Probably not. Uh, now, is yours out in the full sun, a bit of shade?
2: No, no,
1: shade. Shade, yeah. Look, they shade, yeah. Yeah, they do prefer that. They sort of will, you know, survive out in the full sun, but they always look a bit nasty if you've got them there. So if you do have a, a stag or an alcohol, make sure you've got them in some, uh, even a touch of morning sun if you want. But, uh, you know, after we get to about 11 or 12 o'clock, you want the sun to be off them for the rest of the day.
2: Yeah, well, mine, mine started off small and it's looking quite healthy apart
1: from this. Okay, well, good luck with it, Esme. Um, and use that pyrethrum, uh, drench it down through there. You know, this week and uh, again next week, and we'll see how you go with it.
2: Oh, thank you very
0: much. Okay, good to talk
1: to you.
2: Okay, bye bye. Bye bye.
0: Cheers, thanks, Esme. We've got Erin now from Cardiff Heights, and she's got a question about Fatina. Fatinia. Fatinia. It's, yeah, it's that
1: red leaf plant you're probably seeing around at the moment. Yes. People have it in hedges, right?
4: Yes. I'm g- got... giving
1: Greg a little oh, hello, Erin. I'm giving Greg a little lesson here about plants. <laughs>
4: I have a row of them, and they're beautiful. They're they're hedging the fence, except one has a white scale on it.
1: Ooh, have you got that really big, thick sort of mushy scale that if you touch it, it just turns to almost like a marshmallow in your hands?
4: No, oh, it's quite scaly. Yeah. yeah, but it's
1: hard. Okay, so look, you're going to be treating it the same way. Uh, often, at the you know at the moment with lily pilies and fritillaries, you are seeing that really big mushy scale on there, and it's very hard to uh, get through that that sort of shell or whatever it is on there to get the chemical yeah. into the actual insect. So, what I'm going to suggest for you is to use a product called uh, anti-scale or Malascale, It used to be called. Uh, essentially, okay. what it's doing is you're getting some white oil and malathon and mixing it together, or if you can get the anti-scale chemical, use that one, and you mix it together and spray it on. The white oil allows the chemical to permeate uh, through the waxy shell of of the insect and takes the chemical in there and kills the little guy that's sucking away at the sap of the plant. Uh, if you want to, and you're concerned about using chemicals, you can just use uh, white oil, uh, and, and it can choke up the outer, uh, you know, shell of the scale and stop it from, you know, getting nutrients and breathing and all that sort of stuff, and kill it that way. Uh, so there's a couple of different ways to do it. Uh, so you can just use plain white oil, uh, or uh, eco oil as well will work for you, which is even a little bit more friendly for the environment.
4: Okay, thank you very much.
1: So, yeah, in a very good spray so it's all over the plant, running down through it, uh, misting up in underneath as well, and okay. then repeat the process again in about two weeks' time to keep it under control. Do all of your hedge, not just the one that has it because it will be spreading in the breeze as sure as anything. Should I? Cut them back a little bit. Oh, look, there's no, no reason to do that unless it's going to make it easier for you uh, to actually get that scale spray uh, onto the plant. Uh, okay. But that's up to you. If they're only small, I wouldn't worry about cutting them back at the moment. I'd just give them a, a very good spray and leave it at that.
2: I will. Okay. Thank you very much.
0: Okay, thanks for the call, Erin.
2: Okay, bye.
0: Bye-bye. And we've got David from Cessnock, and he's got a question about the native frangipani. Hi, David, how can we help you?
3: Hi Scott, yeah, we got a native frangipenny that we got from one of the nurseries out here. The damn thing's about 40 foot tall, fairly big root ball on it. Uh, uh, I've dug the hole uh, to uh, plant it, so I've gone down about one and a half shovel deep. I've struck clay. Can you plant them in a clay soil? Yeah,
1: that's
3: it. We put put the water in and everything at the bottom. Uh, the water's still sitting there, and it's been sitting there for about probably three quarters of an hour now. So I don't know if if it affects the frangipani or what. do they need good soil.
1: Yes, they they do. So the uh, native frangipani, it, it's sort of a little bit related to the the pitostrum. Uh It's actually a rainforest tree. Uh, it's native up. To Queensland, New South Wales, uh, even further up, so it does like you know sort of warmer climates, although it will grow here in Newcastle and around uh, the Cessnock area. But your biggest mm-hmm. problem, like you 've identified, is going to be the clay soil they really don 't like those sort of heavy soils uh, to get their roots mm-hmm. down into. Uh, the best you can do I, I I guess is use some gypsum and dig it in, or uh, if you have got the uh, you know the ability with some sort of you know machinery or something to dig a very large hole and get some better soil in there uh, there's also uh, liquid gypsum you can use as well and water that in, and it helps break it down. Oh, yeah. yeah. so look it it is something you can can give a, a try um with to see how you go, but uh trying to do as much work to that soil uh before you put the plant in is going to be very important. Mm-hmm. Uh, they yeah. they get pretty big as well. Uh yours might not yeah. though, uh being it's you know, a little bit of a colder area and the uh and the mm. clay soil, but they can get uh, you know, up around six to eight meters um tall, so they can get into quite a tall plant. Yeah, yeah, because
3: we had one of the, the uh, cancellation come through and uh ruined the one we had in the in the yard. Yes. <laughs> uh, that actually they've replaced it with this one. Right. okay. Uh, trouble is to dig where the old one was and put it back where the old one was. I've got to try and get all the roots and everything out and what have you. yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. So we tried another spot but when I dug down, obviously there's a fair bit of clay there. So yes. gypsum, you
1: reckon? Yeah, gypsum, definitely. Uh, a little yep. bit of the old elbow grease as well, breaking that clay up and trying yep. to get the gypsum down into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, then also using the, the liquid gypsum as well. Uh, it, it certainly does help, well. yeah.
3: Mm-hmm. Yep. Can you actually fertilise them um, at all, native? I mm-hmm. don't think you can, can you?
1: Well, you, you can okay. fertilise native plants. You just have to be careful about how you're doing so. Uh, I would suggest using blood and bone. It's always a nice sort of safe, soft fertiliser to use on native plants. Yeah. Uh, Otherwise, you can, when you go to your garden centre, get native-specific fertilisers and always use those according to the directions, though. Never overuse Mm -hmm. them.
3: What, okay
1: then. Yeah, a lot of natives don't like uh, phosphorus, and so it's, they're very good at sort of sucking it up um, from the soil um, because we don't have very much in our soil here in Australia. So when you start over-fertilising natives, they they sort of burn up on the on the phosphorus in yeah. the soil. So uh, if you uh, if you just want to get some blood and bone, I think it's probably the safest thing to use.
3: Okay then, right, huh? Okay. okay. Right off. Thank you very much. Thanks for calling, David. Thank you. Cheers. Thank you. Bye. Bye.
0: Cheers, thanks David It's guarding talk back on 2 FM 49216216 And we've got David from Maitland And he's got cat's heads in his lawn Oh they're nasty, nasty David, how can we help you mate?
3: Hello Scott um, I was looking for a spray to uh, hit the cat's head with um, It's come up in a cooch lawn But there's a fair bit of it
1: Yes, okay uh, Too
3: much to pull out
1: yeah, my cat said. I always remember that you'd be happily riding along on your push bike when you were a kid, and there, all of a sudden, you'd find one in your tire, and your tire would be down. <laughs> <laughs> or you'd make yeah. the, the the rookie error of pulling it out.
0: Well, then yep. you would pull your busted tire up.
1: Yeah, so you could have made it home if you would left it in there and ridden on. But uh, yeah, you yeah. get your old yeah.
0: bike patch out. Oh,
1: what a time! What a time! <laughs> <And> fond memories. <laughs> uh, look, a, that that it. is that is difficult to uh, get rid of. Uh, it's actually called Caltrop. I'm not even sure that uh, there are uh, herbicides available in the domestic market to uh, get rid of that. I would suggest David probably, um, <coughs> pardon me, using Bindi to try and keep that under control, yeah. uh, just giving it a spray to see if it slows it down. Uh, being in a cooch lawn is not so um, bad. I'll just give <coughs> a break here while Scott has a sip of water. Oh. I don't know what was <laughs> happening. Though. I must have had a cat's head stuck in my throat. <laughs> Not good, not good. Uh, So, look, I'd try some bindi on it first just to see what happens. Uh, It would probably slow it up a little bit and stop it from spreading. The main thing for you is not to let it uh, flower and then seed. That's when it does start to, you know, obviously go through the lawn a whole lot more. With cooch lawns? Uh, yeah. They're pretty tough, so you can really hammer them. Uh, you know, with the chemicals. It's not like a buffalo lawn where they're a bit softer. Um, but I, look, if there's anyone listening and they do have some ideas about how to get rid of the old cat's head uh, weeds out of the lawn, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah,
3: it has. Um, it's got a small yellow flower showing oh. on it now.
1: Okay, so it really, really, is time for you to. Uh, can you mow it out at the moment? Do you think or? Uh,
3: I don't. You'd have to mow it at ground level to get rid of it. I yeah, think. I mean
1: that is a problem with it. It doesn't it doesn't stick its head up uh, very high, does it? So
3: no.
1: uh, look, I would definitely get some bindi. Uh, go down to your, your garden centre, have a look at the the packet if Anything does do cat's head, caltrop uh, to keep it under control. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, I, I, anything you can use at the moment just to try and, and slow it down is going to be the thing to to do.
5: Okay,
0: mate. Okay, good luck with it, David. Let us know how
5: you thank- go. Thank you.
0: Cheers we've got Colin now, and he's got questions about feeding his veggie patch and his orange tree. Hello, Colin. How can we help you?
6: Oh, g'day. Um, I'm doing the vegetable garden, and uh, around this time of the year, um, I have winter crops that are seeding, and I'm still growing nice cauliflowers and broccoli and cabbages and snow peas and things, but I'm also preparing, and it's a bit of a jungle, veggie garden, um... um Preparing it for summer crops in spots where I've pulled things out, and uh, when I was preparing it earlier, about three or four weeks ago, I it was I dug some lime into it, forgetting that uh, yeah, lime's more a winter crop thing. Yes, um, yeah,
1: yeah. you've sort of got it a little bit the wrong way around, but that's not that's not too bad.
6: Um, yeah, and I was just listening to your program. Normally, when I have a problem, someone else has that problem as well, and they ring up for me. But uh, <laughs> I just was a little bit unsure about. This time of the year, when you've got, you know, I've got corn in for summer, as well. Um, yeah, what do I do about that lime that I've uh, put into the soil? Is there something I do to correct that, or will that be all right?
1: Oh look, I've, yeah.
6: I've, sorry, I've dug in a lot of cow manure as well.
1: Yeah, and and cow manure is slightly acidic, so it might well, you know, you know, sort of sort itself out. Uh, And I would probably take that tack rather than trying to neutralise it again. And you can do that using sulphur. You can actually go and buy sulphur powder and then sprinkle that around. Uh, But I I would think just a a one-off of lime. Uh, And then you said you've used the cow manure, so that might well have neutralised it anyway. Uh, I I wouldn't be too concerned. The best thing you could do, though, is... uh, you know, grab uh, some of that soil and go and uh, give it, uh, get it tested just to see what the pH actually is. And you want it to be around, you know, that seven, uh, six and a half. Uh, you don't want it, you know, fluctuating uh, too much more than that.
6: Right, right. For the, that's for the summer crops.
1: Yes, that's correct, yeah. And so, yeah. Uh, the, you know, the reverse to that is that you'd, uh, you know, want it maybe seven to seven and a half for your winter crops. How much right, longer do you yeah. keep your, uh, your cabbage and everything growing? You must be have a, a nice cold spot up there.
6: Yeah, it's a little valley country way, sort of has its own little climate up here. So, But I tend to plant it that way at this time of the year. I, I tend to plant like two cauliflowers um, yeah, from seeds, and then when it's, or I plant the seeds, and when, when I transplant them, then I plant two more seeds. So I have all carrots and all different things, all different sizes. And some years, summer comes on real quick and you just pull the ones out that didn't yep. end up you know, fruiting. But um, other other years, the, the winter ones keep going. So, um, I, so that was my confusion was at this time of the year, I've got, like I say, uh, winter crops going to seed that I'm leaving to collect seeds for next year. And I'm also all the way up to starting summer crops. So, um, yeah, it's just this year it seems to be really good. I... I, I if things keep going, I should be picking cauliflowers and cabbages and things for another month yet.
1: Yeah, well, that, that sounds really good because usually, uh, you know, they've given up the, the ghost. I guess this weekend might have helped you a little bit as well, you know, getting a little bit colder.
6: Yeah, exactly. And uh, you just can't really pick when it's going to completely change over. So um, some years, you know, you the cauliflowers keep going and the corn doesn't do well yet. So... Just sort of have a have a bit of both, so, yeah. um, but no, it's been very productive. And I had a bit of trouble at the beginning of winter getting the broccoli and cauliflower to actually produce the fruit. I could grow amazing big plants, and that's when the lime came in. I was like, oh, forgot to put the lime in. Put it in, solved the problem. And then I uh, yeah didn't stop when I was preparing the summer yeah. areas of the garden because everything's all up against each other. So yeah, it's a bit of a mixture at this time of the year. Yeah,
1: but, so look, Colin, I, I I wouldn't be too concerned. I'd just let it take its course now and uh, and and see what happens.
6: Yeah, and I'll go right down those pH levels. And yeah. just,
1: but you really and you I'll really go. don't want it fluctuating any more than that.
6: Jeez, I appreciate that. And The other quick question was: uh, I followed your instructions on the fruit trees this year. Yes. We're on tank water, so the drought did affect how much we could water everything, but um. They're all doing well now, and I've done the dynamic lifter, and then waited a few weeks and put the other fruit fertilizers, fruit tree fertilizer on, and plenty of water. Did it just before the rain, luckily both times. Um, But I have chooks, and we put sugarcane mulch in, you know, where they nest, and clean that out probably every three weeks. And I'm just wondering, can I still add little bits of um, chook manure around the fruit trees?
1: Oh, yeah, look, yeah. A- absolutely. And even if you wanted to use some of that mulch that uh, is in the chook pens, uh, you know, sort of gather that up and stick it around the trees, that would be really helpful for them. Uh, yeah, or-
6: that's what I tend to do is take all the, you know, the sugarcane mulch and the poo. It's all mixed together. I throw it through the mulch and I just bring it around the drip line. But um, it doesn't get a lot, but it's
1: just sort of continuous, that's all. Yeah, look, citrus trees are very heavy feeders, so having that mulch, uh, you know, with the poo mixed up uh, through there is not not going to uh, harm it at all.
6: Oh, terrific. Okay. All right, well, I'll keep going the way I am. appreciate your time.
1: Okay, thank you, Colin. Have a nice afternoon.
6: You too. Jeez, bye-bye.
0: Thanks, Colin. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 FM. If you've got a question for Scott Sharp, you can give us a call on 49216216. And we've got Carmel from uh, Corletts, and she's got a question about Australian grass trees. Carmel, how can we help you?
4: Oh, hi, Scott. How are you?
0: Yeah, very well, very
1: well.
4: Okay. Now, I've got a problem with an Australian grass
1: tree. Yes.
4: Um, It's been in the pot for quite a few years. When we purchased our home, it was in a pot next to our swimming pool, and it had one of those lovely big green spikes on it. Anyway, that was about two years ago. Uh, but nothing's happened this spring. Now, I've walked around the neighbourhood and there's quite a few planted out and they've all got two and three lovely big green spikes on. What are we doing wrong?
1: So is it still in a pot and has been for, you know, those three years?
4: It has, but yeah. we, have lift, we have lifted it once before and put in fresh, good quality potting mix. Mm-hmm. And, my, and my husband's just finished doing that now. But I thought, look, maybe we need to do something else yeah maybe i don
1: 't know i, I wouldn 't do anything more if if you've actually lifted it and put in some fresh potty mix, that will be sufficient for it. otherwise, yeah. I was going to say uh, to give it some blood and bone fertilizer uh, yeah. and and fertilize it that way but if if you 've done uh, a little bit of a, a lifting on it, you have to be really careful because they are a very touchy plant to to move around and transplant. Right. The, the other thing that they do get uh, down in, into the green sort of grassy head, uh, they can get a, a very fine-scale insect down there that does a lot of damage. So if you've got some uh, white oil or some malathon, you can mix that up into the watering can and just drench that down into the you know, the big sort of grassy head and try yeah. and keep that under control because uh, sometimes it's, it's in there and it's a little bit sort of pervasive. You don't realise it's... It's doing yeah. damage, yeah. but it's just yeah. slowing down the whole plant. So that that's not a bad thing to do. Uh, and fertilising with blood and bone as well. You have done it the other way by lifting and putting some fresh pony mix. That should be enough for it. All right.
4: Okay. Well, hopefully, it'll, is it too late for it to send up a? A spike or a spear
1: or whatever it is. This thing. Yeah, it could be getting a little bit late now, uh, but uh, you know, with the we've had the weird cold snap on the weekend again, and then it might get warm again. So I might trick it into uh, you know into doing something. Okay,
4: now should it be in full
1: sun all the time? Yes, full sun's perfect for them.
4: Okay. Okay. Well. It's in full sun at the moment, but we might have to move it because it's in the swimming pool area. It has, the pot's got wheels, so it's just a matter of moving it to a full sun, I guess. Yeah, OK. See good. how it happens.
0: Very good, very good.
4: So, thank you so much.
0: OK, Bye. Have, Bye. have a nice afternoon. It, so We were talking about cat heads a little bit earlier, and Cole from Rutherford might have a way to get rid of them. Hi, right, Cole, how can you help us?
3: The way I've done it is just cut them off under the ground. And they'll bleed and I'll never come back.
1: So when you say cut them off under the ground, you what, you get the secateurs or something in no, under there? just a
3: sharp knife.
1: Yeah. Just cut them underneath and just lift the top out and that's it. Okay, okay, good. Thank you very much for that.
3: Well, that I've is- done a, I've done a place out at, out there at Hinton out there and they've never come back.
1: Okay, very good. And and cutting, uh, you know, a plant down underneath the soil is often a way to get rid of them. For some reason, there's a difference between underneath and above, and they don't like to yeah come back up like that. So, yeah, thank you very right. much for that. Appreciate it.
3: Righto, uh, thank okay, you.
1: Good on you, Cole. Thank you. Is that just getting rid of the root system? or? Well, I think he's leaving the root system in there, but he's getting rid of the, the top part that's feeding the root system, and then that that sort of... Tissue down there doesn't turn into. Oh right, yeah. So it's nothing to feed on, so to speak. Yeah, I think that's the that's probably the uh, the, the layman's <laughs> way for us to, for you and I to talk
0: about it and describe it. It's always what you're going to get with me, the layman's term. Oh, I'm not far behind there. <laughs> We've got Russell from Singleton, and he's also got some ideas about removing weeds in lawn. Hello, Russell. How can we help?
6: Oh, <clears throat> I've got this damned annoying weed. Yes, that's spreading all over my lawn, and I've. <clears throat> Talked to a friend of mine, and he said that it sounds like um, um, I'm not sure what it was—mallow or something like
1: that. Right. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm not. There's got any particular flowers or anything on it? No, it
3: has
6: got no flowers. Just a uh, a strong, strong uh, root, and um, doesn't flower.
1: Okay, okay. Look at Look, for that one, Russell, I'm I'm just not getting it from the from the description. I would grab some of it and take it down to your local garden center um and let them have a look at it and see if they've got a herbicide that uh, will help you out and get rid of it out of your lawn. Okay, it's that's red probably everywhere. Yeah, so that doesn't sound good. You should get onto it as quickly as possible, uh, especially now that uh, you know we're starting to warm up, and that's yeah. when the weeds are going to go for it. So, yeah, mate, look, I'll definitely get some of that down to your local garden centre and let them have a look at it for you and give you a, a chemical that's going to do the
0: job.
6: Okay, thanks okay, very good much.
1: Good
0: on you. Thank you, Russell. Go on, bye. We got Catherine now, and she's got issues with bean seedlings. They're not thriving. Oh, what's happening there, Catherine? What's been going on?
7: Oh, good afternoon. Um, I planted some French beans uh, from seeds about four weeks ago, and also some garden peas from seedlings. They've been doing very, very well until about the last two days, when the leaves have suddenly turned um, brown and uh, almost dried out. And I don't know what I've done wrong.
1: Oh, so are we saying after we've had the, the sort of the windy Saturday?
7: I, I, did, win- I did wonder. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I've got them on a bit of a a corner in the garden, uh, in pots, uh, run out of space in the garden. So I'm just wondering if I've put them in a a bit of a... A bad
1: space and look I, I think that's going to be the case, uh as I said, just at the you know the very start of the show with the winds that we had over the weekend, they're very, very drying, especially if you've got a, a young tender plant uh, like a bean or a pea mm. uh you also said you've got it in pots, so it's going to be far more susceptible to drying out because it's only got a very small and contained root system uh, so i'm I'm thinking that's probably what's happened, but don't despair uh, if you go out there and start watering again. Uh, those ones that have been damaged might not come good for you, but certainly you'll get new shoots that come on and uh, just keep on watering them. And, oh,
7: right. So and, I may not have lost them altogether then.
1: No, I, I would think not. I think they've just been a little bit damaged over the weekend, but uh, they'll come back for you.
7: I thought that maybe I may have over-watered or underwatered, something like that.
1: Yeah, I, I would say it's going to be under-watering, uh, considering the conditions that we had on Saturday and Sunday.
7: Okay, should I move them? Um,
1: look, it depends if if it's not to, you know, that we don't get the winds again, uh, leave them where they are. Um, but uh, if you have got a more sheltered spot, I would probably move them if possible.
7: Okay, lovely. Well okay. done. Thanks very much indeed. Thank Thanks. you, Catherine.
0: Have a nice Cheerio.
1: afternoon.
7: Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: Well, we've got Bob now from Aberglassen, and he wants to know why his a pine tree's a die. Uh, Bob, well, what's been going on?
3: Oh, uh, pine, losing, uh, pine trees. We've had probably about half a dozen of them in our yard that um, are up to around about three, three metres or so. Yes. And uh, they just start dying off. We've lost probably half a dozen trees this, uh, in the last year, I suppose.
1: Okay. Uh, I would go and have a little bit of an expedition with your pine trees and by doing that I'd say sort of almost jump inside them and get right into the trunk and see what's happening in there. If you're seeing sap that's weeping out... Uh, or uh, you know uh, sawdust material coming out of holes, you could have uh, borer in, in those conifers. Uh, conifers can be quite susceptible to uh, conifer canker, which is a fungal disease, and you'll see that sap leaking out. They also then, if they get that, then chances are they're going to get the borer as well because they just somehow sense that the plant's sick and they come in and, and have a go as well. And then you'll see sawdust, you'll see holes, you'll see cracked bark, uh, you'll see that uh, that sap coming out, that uh, you know, almost resin coming out of the plant. So uh, I, I would go and have a bit of an expedition, jump in there, see what you can find. Uh, for borers, you have to treat with an insecticide. For canker, you can use a, uh, a fungicide. You'd need a systemic fungicide, though, one that you water into the ground and is sucked up by the root system of the plant and goes through and uh, tries to help it. But I think on uh, you know, the first port of call for you, Bob, is going to be uh, going and checking it out and seeing what you can find inside that plant.
3: Okay, then. Okay. Yeah, well, thanks for that. Okay, good on
0: you, Bob. Thank
1: you right. very much.
3: Thank you. Bye-bye.
0: I think we've got time for maybe a couple more callers. We've got Bev from Toronto, and she's got a question with cyoniums. Synan- so, so Syngo- I reckon it's going to be Syngoniums. Do, we, do you have a, a fiver on this or just see what happens? Oh, uh, do you take bank card? No.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Bev, what, what is your problem?
5: Uh, well, I've got a lot of um, Signonians. Yeah. Um, and they're trailing. I've got one, though, in um, a pot, a bench. It's like a long um, pot container with a lot of different pots in. And this one, it's trailing and it's looking ugly. And I was wondering, could I cut it right back? Would it, you know continue to grow or
1: would that be too much no no you can cut back uh, syngoniums there there's not a problem doing that uh, mm. they look they will look a bit, little bit ugly
4: mm.
1: I'd always wait until the warmer months though uh, mm-hmm. before you go and do that because being a you know a sort of a tropical tropical plant uh, right. they uh, you know if it's cold they're not going to respond very well but you can certainly cut them back if you want to and they'll just come back nice and full for you.
5: That's good. The other thing was the near lily. Yes. Uh, It hasn't flowered, and uh, someone told me that it it responds like to heat from the fire or, being a bush plant, um, if you put stones. Now, where would you put the stones or the rocks?
1: Yeah, I've never heard of that. I'm not sure what the stones and rocks would do, uh, and as far as uh, you know, the fire that that pro- yeah, that's probably going to have more of an effect. We don't want you setting your garden alight, though. Uh, I, you know what? I'd be inclined to uh, get some blood and bone though, and fertilise and see what happens. To start building that up in the soil and giving it uh, a little bit of help. Uh, oh. Yeah, I'm not sure about placing stones around. If anyone's heard of that one, we'd love to hear a call about that. But uh, mm. yeah, unless it, you know, like they're hot stones, that that might do something. But it sounds sounds like a bit of an odd an odd thing yeah. to do. Yeah, that's what I thought. And I thought,
5: well, I don't know where to put them around or down in the throat of the thing. I don't
1: know. Yeah, that that yeah, never heard of that one. Uh, look, I'd mm. give some blood and bone a, a chance and see how you go mm-hmm. with that.
5: Well, right. Is that the only fertiliser? Because it
1: is a native, isn't it? Yes, yeah. it is. So you can not get native-specific fertilisers. You just have to be careful about uh, how you're using them. That's why I usually suggest blood and bone, because it's quite uh, quite safe to use mm. on natives.
5: And what is it they don't like? Is it the...
1: Um, it's the phosphorus. Um, they don't like phosphorus. Oh, phosphorus. Yeah.
5: Dodge yeah.
3: the phosphorus.
5: Okay. Okay. Thank you very much. That's
0: right. Thank you very much, Bev. Have a lovely afternoon.
5: Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye.
0: Cheers, thanks, Bev. Sadly, we haven't run out of time for another Gardening Talkback. Well, I'll get back to flannel flowers next week. We will. I'll wear another flannel again. Wear some appropriate attire. Just so we can... I don't have, I don't have a problem with that. Okay. I can wear flannel every day of the week. I'll take off my business Definitely shirt and we'll do the same thing. <laughs> Excellent. We'll be the flannel twins next week.
1: Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel.